1: Hi, folks, and welcome to episode twenty-four of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchotz, and joining me today, I have a panel of one, but it's a very good one. So, hi, Antonio. Hey, Bart.
0: Happy Saturday.
1: Yeah, and the same to you. Actually, in Ireland here, autumn has decided to be summer. It's it's like twenty degrees
0: Celsius today. Really? Yeah. Oh. It's weird. We not we have the, a summer. No, we had that uh, a couple of days ago. We we were in the uh, in the eighty degree Fahrenheit range. Ah, well, obviously came
1: over this way. Anyway, yeah. so it's just the two of us today. And what we're going to do is, a few episodes back, I had people choose a favourite photograph to talk about. And then after we recorded that, it occurred to me that actually it could be much more fun to pick photographers to talk about because that gives us a little more breath. So I set everyone homework, and you're the only person who took me up on the offer, um, <laughs> to choose some photographers to talk about and a mix of... Ye oldie and more contemporary, so sort of try to get a, a broad range. So, do you want to kick us off with someone a little bit
0: from the past? From the past, okay. So well, a I, little bit. I mean, yeah. uh,
1: you know, it doesn't have to be like you know eighteen something. It just <laughs>
0: why not? It could
1: be. Well, you can't go further back than eighteen thirty nine.
0: Well, you could argue that because there are painters who perhaps used uh, camera obscuras to create their paintings. There was that um, girl with pearl thought, earring. Thought that Vermeer was using a uh, camera obscura or type device to create his paintings because uh, well, there was the depth was of field effects. The depth it? of field issues. Yeah. So you could sort of argue that there were photographers before photography, but
1: we won't get uh, lithography Analytography, uh, um, heliographs and stuff for you put like a leaf on photosensitive paper
0: (laughs) anyway okay we'll go i mean i'm i'm gonna say i'm old school i just turned i'm gonna turn 51 this year so i'm of a generation who learned of the old older master photographers and so that's sort of embedded in my blood a little Mm -hmm. yeah so uh when you asked about which older photographer of an older gen you know yeah, you know, classic photographer. I looked on my, my bookcase and I thought, well, who do I have the most books from? Uh-huh. And the first one that popped out was Irving Penn. So Interesting. Yeah, I'm not going to go into his uh, biography because I do not know that. So yeah, we're more than, interested in his photos. Yeah, his photos. But he is a photographer who has done an incredible amount of work and, and variations and work and uh, – he often photographed a lot for Vogue magazine. So he's got a lot of fashion portraits of uh, uh, models and of uh, actors and actresses. And he's also done still life photographs uh, of one of the things i loved of his work. He's done a whole series of pictures of frozen food. So he's frozen somehow – food. Yeah, so he's removed the food like a bunch of frozen peas or something like that, and he's removed them from the package, but they were still glued together by the ice. And he's taken these portraits of them—portraits of them. I guess that's the wrong word, but still yeah. lives of these yeah. of these uh, of these frozen foods. And he's put them together in in you know interesting ways, and they almost look like. Uh, some sort of abstract painting of this, of these things. So he's a very versatile photographer and I am, I don't think he's still alive, but I'm not going to
1: say, see what Wikipedia has to say on the matter.
0: Yeah. But, um, he is, he is that kind of versatility is something that I really look, uh, for in photographers who are my favorite. If I got enough of this books and each one is a different book, one is on his frozen, his dead flower. Sorry. We have a little, a little, a little New York on, sound. Little New York sounds. You're going to hear that now and then. I can't get rid of that. <laughs> you <need to> solve <laughs> the crime problem. Just it, for people who are listening, that doesn't mean there's an emergency here, right? we just. I'm just on a road where a lot of ambulances seem to go by. But anyway, so uh, primarily his work is black and white. Uh. I think because he was working in that era, but you know, he well, had the time. I was time just going to say,
1: according to Wikipedia, he, he was born in 1917 and died in 2009, giving him 92 years, which is right. a good
0: innings. I think he was photographing for a good part of that time. Um, but his uh, first of all, the, the 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 pictures that I'm that popped in my head first was he had done a series of portraits of people and groups of people who he decided to stick into a corner. And by that, I mean, physically, physically a corner. He created in a studio a sort of a wedge with these two panels. And I think he changed the the angle of the panels, but he created basically his wedge and he would jam his subjects into these corners. And I think the time period he did okay, it's about uh, 1948, I think it says, where he started this series. And they're very simply lit. It looks like one light or a skylight, and they're black and white, and these people are positioned in these corners. And sometimes you see the, uh, you only see the corner and the people, and sometimes you actually see the background where the corner was stuck, so you can see some of the supports holding up. One one image that really um, is striking to me is a portrait of uh, uh, Georgia O'Keeffe. And she's in this wedged corner, and you can see on the outside of the frame uh, the struts that are holding up the corners. Yeah. And it's a very, very striking image. Um, and this idea of just putting people into this you know, very similar location, um, there was something about it that was really compelling to me. Yeah. Have you seen have you seen these pictures? Uh,
1: yes, I was just going to say, so uh, this is one of those episodes where people should probably pop along to the show notes. They are at let's-talk.ie. And so I am going to have links in the show notes to these various things you're talking about. So I just found a link for the frozen food, so... I'm popping that into my notes to pop up on the show notes. And then there is a link there to an entire page of these portraits is the second link under Irving Penn that will be in the show notes.
0: So he's done all these famous people. He's got Truman Capote, uh, the Duchess of Windsor, uh, Spencer Tracy, Salvador Dali, and, and, and so on and so on. And there's just something about this location that he created. um, that I don't know. It, it puts everybody in an equal place, you know. So a picture of the uh, the Duchess of Windsor in the same corner as you know Spencer Tracy, uh, and you can even see that the floor is the same. You can see like the the there's like paint drips or something on the floor, so you know it's kind of in the same place. So he's had all these people in the same place. So the the location sort of withdraws into the background and doesn't become as important. Yeah. Um,
1: like- Louis Armstrong is in here. Merlena
0: Dietrich—it's it's quite the ensemble. Yeah, Gypsy Rose Lee. Now, this is—you know—people are like, people who are twenty or thirty are like, who, what, where? Well, look them up. But these—actually,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Salvador Dali one is superb. Although it is being Salvador is. Dali, the corner has been made quite wide, and he's
0: right. And he's, he's quite the presence. Spread. <laughs> yeah,
1: quite the presence. Of course, yeah. of course, with that mustache, how could he not have quite the presence? Yeah,
0: and and the. Uh, symmetry of of the background is really interesting because you know that stays the same in most of the pictures it's the what ends up happening is um if you think about it the composition is really based uh not on the way the camera is set and location Hmm. but it's how the people are um posing
1: yeah because a lot of people are posing in a symmetric way but then Truman Capote completely breaks that by kneeling on a chair in his corner
0: Right. There's, there's an image of a violinist, and I'm going to massacre his name, uh, Jascha Heifetz. I mean, I know this
1: person. I'll I'll say that's correct.
0: Yeah. And, and he's sitting with his legs crossed. He's on a stool, and he's got the bow of the violin uh, you know, or, over his left shoulder. And if you look at it, there's this diagonal line created by the bow and the violin and his, and his leg crossed. Yeah, they go right to the corners of the frame. Exactly, right to the corners of the frame. So it's so interesting because, again, it's not you know he's it's like he had a uh, Congo line of people coming in. He set the camera up in one place, and just by position, they're creating the composition. So, and and and, some people
1: are really going like are really confined by the edges and some people are sort of making this confined space seem big. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, our Rubenstein is really, really wedged.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, you no, know, poor Georgia
1: O'Keeffe, she's <laughs> lost in there. I know.
0: And, and to me, this is such a, uh, a great way to, um, like if I was going to do a series of pictures, like why not copy Irving Penn and stick people into a corner uh, or into some sort of, you know, simple background and, and take pictures of them. Yeah. Let the people, yeah. Cause
1: it, it's the same backdrop, but all the pictures have such a different feel because it, it's the people are doing
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's, he's this Type of photography is is the kind of, the kind of pictures that drew me into photography in the first place. Like really simple. Yeah. Uh, it almost doesn't matter who these people are. Um, they, the, of the time period, their clothing is really interesting and just the way they're styling. Uh, so there's that. But it'd be really curious to do a series of shots similar with, uh, with people from today. It'd be an interesting kind of uh, project to do. Yeah, fairly. But Penn is so versatile. I mean, the still lifes of the – he also did this great uh, book of still lifes of uh, dead flowers, I believe. So, you know, you, 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 y- can't, you can't pigeonhole him as like, well, he's a still life photographer. He's a portrait photographer. He shot for Vogue and he's a fashion photographer. There's, there's none of that. There's yeah. – this human being, this guy did very well in so many different uh, subjects. You could see that his love of photography, this exploration – he did. Um is 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 just evident in, in the kinds of work he's produced.
1: Yeah, there's a link in the show notes as well to um to Vogue where it's showing his his pictures for Vogue and there's some very interesting stuff in there. Um there's a, a still life of halved fruits all stacked on top of each other, which mm. is mm-hmm. rather cool.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And another one that really catches my eye is I think the title of it is um Aphrodisiacs photographed and it's like an oyster and some sort of bug and some sort of pill and a hundred dollar bill as a still life. <laughs> it's really quite yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean another th- another thing that he's done is some of his portraits of uh mostly it looks like you know he's a portrait of Kennedy, a portrait of Al Pacino. Uh, uh, Sophia Loren, you know, so he's, he's done the gamut. But there's this one okay. shot. The shot of Al Pacino to me is uh, a very typical way that his lighting worked. And if you look at the shot, um, you can Google it. Let's see uh, if I can Urban find P- this. I yeah. So. Al- I mean, part Pacino. of it is the way Al Pacino looks. You know, again, he's a famous face, so you know this. But Pen.
1: Yeah. Let's see how we – do. ah, yeah. oh well, that's a very striking.
0: Yeah. So what's striking to me about it, first of all, is that uh, it's very stark. So the black and whites, you know, there's no necessary detail in a lot of uh, Pacino's hair. And he's wearing a black turtleneck or something like that. So there's no detail in that. So it creates these shapes. But to me, what's really intriguing is the lighting. And if you look at it uh, – Carefully, you can. I mean, you can see the light source in Pacino's eyes, and so there's obviously some big bank of light on our left, camera left, uh, whether it's a window or it's a light source. Uh, we, I don't know. Um, and then the backdrop is uh, a sort of a gradient from light gray to dark gray, going in the opposite direction of the light that's lighting Pacino. So you have this really interesting effect. You have this stark edge created because the the shirt and his hair are black, but the background is light. And then on the opposite side of the picture, where Pacino's face is light, the backdrop is dark. So there's it's. this interplay of two uh, gradients in a way, or, you know, black and white and white and black. And he does that a lot in his portraits. You can kind of see it as you go through the pictures. Um yeah, actually, just
1: sticking Irving Penn portrait into Google Image Search gives you a sort of a nice...
0: Yeah. And what I love about it is just the simplicity of it. Again, this is the same with the corners. There's a very simple uh, thing going on photographically, you know, if we go to the technical part. It's really the subject that is is helping, I mean, creates the picture a lot. And and this idea of just simple lighting. I mean, yeah. you know, for all we know, that there was just... Two windows in this place where he was shooting, and he just happened to position Pacino in a way that created this effect. Uh, but
1: well, I, I think when you look at the, the the totality of his work, I don't think there was an accident involved. I think that was all very carefully.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're all photographers are all about control. So hang on a sec. Is, that, is Google image search lying to me? Or, what in what way?
1: Well. <laughs> I just got like an absolutely stunning portrait of Winston Churchill. Is that Penn
0: or is that someone else? It could be. I mean, Churchill, uh, Churchill was around. They're, they both were around the same time. Well, let's... Oh, so the other one to look at, um, is, uh, a very, very famous picture of, uh, Picasso. And it's the same kind of thing. Almost. It's Picasso wearing this kind of cowboy hat-ish, you know, wide-brimmed hat. And you just see his eye peeking over a, over a dark collar. And, mm. again, it's a simple – it's so simple. And he – pen let the, you know, the darks of the picture get really dark. Uh, and, again, it's, it's no, such it's a – Okay,
1: think, it's, it's Google Image Search is lying to me. It's the, um, yeah, it's Karsh did these fantastic por- Churchill portraits.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure that there's there's uh, you know p- pictures in the style of, of Irving Penn, but but look for the portrait of Picasso. That one is uh, okay. So Irving Penn, Picasso, Picasso. Oh yeah, and, and it's such a famous shot of him. It's very enigmatic. Yeah, yeah. Which suits it's, the man. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm actually looking at uh, an homage picture of it, and it doesn't quite work the same. Nice try. Okay. I, won't, I won't say so, the person's name, but...
1: Stick that in the show notes. So it's a nice try.
0: Picasso.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I, I can't... I'm very bad at multitasking. I can't type and talk. <laughs> well,
0: because... I'll, I'll, just keep, I'll just keep talking then. There we go. Okay, so that's in the show notes for people. We can see where I'm going with this. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, this style of photography is, is just so compelling to me. He did a series of portraits of... Uh, hell's angels uh in the 70s uh motorcycle gang uh maybe it wasn't hell's, were they hell's angels hell's angels yeah, i think so yeah beautiful beautiful shots again you know a modeled backdrop uh so it had some texture simple yeah. lighting one big light and and the port and the people are what make the picture so so he's my he's my uh Old style one, and I think he's one that people should look at uh, in depth uh, because he was so versatile. Uh, I was gonna
1: say, like you couldn't pigeonhole
0: this guy yeah, if you tried. Not at all. Not at all. And and everything was open for. I mean, like you know, dead flowers and pictures of insects on 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 magazine covers. I mean, it was just nothing was. He didn't restrict himself, so yeah. And I also think it's a great opportunity to uh, to try to duplicate his work. It's a very simple thing, and, and you realize how hard it is to do. <laughs> the right, it can be really difficult to do, but I find him very inspiring, um, and and worth having a couple of uh, his books on on uh, on the shelf. I
1: just found a nice link for the Hells Angels, so I'll it pop it in the show notes too. Yeah. Sorry, I'm giving a
0: lot to look at. But, no, no, uh, that's the point, right? Yeah. yeah. This is definitely one for people to visit the show notes. So. Yeah. And and I really encourage the younger audience, uh, if they haven't uh, looked at his work, to do so. Cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I am also going to pick someone who has a very, 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 very broad range. Um, th- This chap was... Born in the UK, did most of his photography in America, and then went back home to the UK to pop his clogs. Um, one part, complete and utter nut job, one part scientist, one part photographer. I am talking about the one and only Edward Moybridge. Ooh. Yeah, I love him. He's such a colorful character. So the- You know, they're making a film
0: based I on I didn't him. know that. Oh, good. Yes. Do, do a search for that. I don't... Uh, who's... Gosh, someone's starring in... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. but yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. Yeah.
1: Well, there's certainly, like, uh, the first link I'll pop in the show notes is the Wikipedia for Moybridge, but there's there, there's a lot here. Uh, let me see. Murder, acquittal, and paternity is one of the chapter headings on Wikipedia. Um, he did indeed murder the lover of his wife, but got away on the grounds that uh, it was justifiable
0: homicide. That's why I think they're making a film.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he also hung around with Leland Stanford. Um, of Stanford University fame uh-huh. and in order to win a bet with Stanford did a little bit of really good science um, before photography's ability to stop motion people didn't know if a horse ever had all four f- legs off the ground and people said well I couldn't possibly or it'd fall down wouldn't it? And Stanford said well actually no, I'm, or not Stanford um said I'm pretty sure all four legs are off the ground and so I said well prove it, okay fine <laughs> So At the time, I mean, he was... Let's get his dates here. He was quite early, so born in 1830. So he was born before photography was invented in 1839 or thirty-eight, And he died in 1904, so all of his work is early. And so you didn't have high ISO films. No. So his answer was to whitewash the ground and the wall, basically. So create a white place, have... A whole bank of cameras, one after the other, after the other, after the other, with tripwires stretched out across this white box, for want of a better term. And he invented a type of shutter that would be very quick, which is basically a massive strip of wood with a small little slit in it. And as the slit fell by the photographic film, you would get a short exposure. And so he got a horse to gallop through this, and as the horse galloped, it pulled tripwire, tripwire, tripwire. And so you get action, 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 action. And when you put it all together, you have the motion of a horse and lo and behold you can very clearly see all four legs off the ground and in fact the wikipedia page has a gif of the images stacked together and played one after the other after the other and you can see he has captured the motion of the horse and i believe he he won a bet so
0: when you mentioned that it sounded like the first thing that popped into my mind was the uh, bullet time photography that they did Mm. in the matrix yeah Uh, multiple cameras going off of course they were doing it in a circle to create a three-dimensional effect but but it's interesting (laughs) he's he's the first matrix photography bullet time photographer yeah
1: and i mean his work is as revolutionary then probably even more revolutionary then than the bullet time thing was when the matrix did it which was i mean no one had done anything like that before the matrix
0: so do we think he's the first i mean it's essentially uh a 12 frame per second movie it is. And he also
1: invented a device, which you could argue is the first sort of movie device. He called it a, oh, he gave it a very silly, well, I won't say silly, a very unusual name. The The What? <laughs> uh, imagine a cylinder, a, a sort of a very, a very fat, stumpy cylinder. And inside it, you have stuck photographs of the horse moving. And there's a, there's a holes in it. And you spin it around and look in. And when you look into the spinning cylinder through the holes, what you see is the horse moving. Because it's just the same 12 frames going around and around and around and around and around, like an animated GIF. So arguably, that is a very early motion picture. So arguably, he bet Edison and and Lumiere and all those guys to videography. So, Uh yeah, so that's the science end of of Moybridge And... He he really 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 got into this whole how things move thing. So once he once he had his horsey done, he didn't stop with the horse. Um, he had a penchant for making naked ladies pick things up. <laughs> uh, and yeah, but I mean he, his range was quite large. If if you stick Moybridge and motion studies, you will see not just naked ladies, the, the men jumping over men, the, the, bison running around the place. His range was quite large. Dancing, it's yeah he. He really got into this whole capturing motion thing once he got going he was he was big on
0: that um the horses were the first the first uh thing that he did though, yeah,
1: yes, the horses were what got him onto this path.
0: imagine how excited he was when after right. he finished that
1: yeah and again, because these films were so slow, what well, you actually get is is silhouettes of these horses because he's whitewashed everything and he has almost no exposure time so he's he's getting these this sort of silhouette outline of the horses, but it's still. Right, For the a, first time ever, people could see how horses moved. It, it's really quite cool. Yeah. So that's the scientist, Muybridge. Uh But before he did his, his moving horses, he also was inspired by the same landscapes that would later become famous because of Ansel Adams. Uh, so Yosemite Valley, etc., And he photographs the same places, you know, that Ansel Adams would later re-photograph. But his style is quite different. Um well, yeah, I think it's quite different anyway. So even though they're places you recognize it is they are different. And he really did like some quite dramatic um settings. So let me just find a link to give you here.
0: Well well his style to be to be fair, his mm-hmm. style is different because Ansel Adams came up with a zone system of photography. True. Yes. So it was a different way I mean not only a different way to photograph, but a different way to present the pictures. So Moybridge was obviously earlier. Yeah. So he seemed to be just recording what he saw, rather than trying to create something more, which I think Ansel Adams was was doing. Yes, in some way. Not saying that Adams' work is 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 also
1: Moiridge was still on glass plates. Yeah, because he was in the eighteen sixties.
0: Yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm looking at the. You know the shot of the 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 falls, the Vernal Falls at Yosemite. Yosemite. <laughs> Everyone's been saying that here about OS ten Yosemite. Oh, I'm going <laughs> if I can go back into time and strangle somebody who told me that word, I could, I would because this person said I always looked at that word and thought it was Yosemite, and so Yosemite. now I have to really think of the be cartoon aware.
1: character Yosemite Sam and you won't forget.
0: It doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: no, it's done <laughs> it's too like... late. It's it's been burned in the wrong way.
0: Yeah. So anyway, this photo at Vernal Falls at Yosemite. He shot, what, 1872, it looks 1872, like. 1872, yeah. And it looks like a, f- I mean, it's a long exposure. Which it had know. to be. That wasn't but his e- choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and it's very, at least the reproduction I'm looking at is very sepia. I don't know if that was the final I think they were picture. quite sepia,
1: but now I'm just trying to, I
0: have links here,
1: because that one is the one that Wikipedia chose to put up, probably because, i do not sure why they chose that one, because I don't think it's anywhere near his best work.
0: So. No, it's, it's a, maybe it's the one that's just available. Uh,
1: well, see, okay, so I'm going to pop a link here into the Skype chat and I will also pop it into the show notes to MoMA, who have some of his stuff on file. But I think that the MoMA one there that I've just popped in is an infinitely better photograph uh-huh. than the one they chose on Wikipedia.
0: It's a little tilted. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize. I'm sorry. It, you're right, just actually. being actually. Well, the- you know, the foreground doesn't look tilted, but the background looks off. It, there's something about it. it. looks like the that looks like the angle is off a little bit, and unfortunately, that's the first thing I saw. I mean, not to no, not to diminish the historicness of that and and whatnot, but for some reason, with things like landscapes, unless you are really deliberately going to do something with the horizon, it it can if it's just a little bit off. I'll tell you it what, let, th- let's try of another one for on for size. Yeah. Let's, let's just well, try this one. It's a, I, it's a wonderful picture. I, I've got a, sh- well, a shot like that. But So
1: the, the last one I, is,
0: well, I think the, see, the, the yeah, one
1: I've just popped in. So that'll be the next one in the in the show notes with the two mountains sort of paralleling the valley with the water. Although, again, arguably it is a bit off <laughs> level. I'm sorry to wonder if you had one leg shorter than the other.
0: I, yeah, well, you know what? It would be a hard thing for them to fix because you'd have to. I mean, unless you're looking through the.
1: I suppose when you're framing it, you can just framing sort of land it. it a bit crooked.
0: <laughs> yeah, but again, it's a wow. It's a really interesting image from that time. It looks like there's just all this haze, and I gotta wonder if that's just the way it was processed, or there was all this haze. But
1: well, he's before
0: panchromatic film. Yeah, so so those, there's a lot of the blue just went. Of, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the faults of the films create that look. You know, today we have filters for that on our, on our Instagram.
1: To, to intentionally, yeah, break things.
0: Yeah, but nothing can, match, nothing can match something like this where the limits of the technology at the time helped create these looks that, um, I don't know, they add something more to the image than if it was just done, you know, perfectly. And I'm not saying there's something imperfect about this, but we just know that you're right, because the panchromatic films were probably you know, not, not as sensitive to blue light.
1: Well, no, the problem is they were too sensitive to blue. was is the issue they too had, sensitive. the early landscapes.
0: Thank you for that. So,
1: yeah, you never really had sky. That's why the
0: skies are white. Yeah. Yeah. They always look like they're cloudy.
1: Right. And it was probably a glorious day, but yeah. the blue was yeah. just yeah. Poof,
0: <laughs> gone. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Mirac the The fact that the uh, films were so slow caused them to make these long exposures. So the yeah. details in the water are smoothed out and, and just added sort of dreaminess to the picture.
1: And the waterfalls are always very ghostly as well because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, Yosemite Valley
0: is full of those. Yeah. You know, there's some way that if I could get back to that, those kind of looks without having to use filters. I mean, to me, the filters are with modern photography techniques and Lightroom and Instagram and whatever. It's just a predict, they're, they're they're too predictable and they're based on someone else's idea of what an old style photograph would look like. And I would love to get back to these times where,
1: you know, well, if you bring along a tent and some chemicals and a lot of patients.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a wet plate, you know, there's a whole, uh, yeah. Resurgence of wet plate photography. I was at, uh, I think I mentioned it maybe the last show that it was at a, uh, jazz age festival on an island in off of in new york harbor i can't remember if i mentioned that here no that sounds oh i didn't know well it was a there was a festival called the jazz age fest and you know everybody goes dressed like the 20s and since
1: dry plate wasn't invented till 1871 the chances are very high that Moybridge here is using wet plate which means you have to develop in the field
0: right right and they had these wet plate you could do uh they had wet plate portraits being made there tin types um, oh, cool. Well, the tintype is different again. Yeah, but it's still a wet plate.
1: Well, that's true. It's still one of these, yeah, you've got to develop them as you do. you develop
0: it while you're there. But the fact is that the developing is, is you know, it, between each picture, each portrait session, each picture looks different because of the, the inconsistencies in the development. I mean, as much as they can be consistent, there are inconsistencies. And so every picture looks different. So yeah. you can't uh, predict those kind of things. But anyway. Yeah.
1: Something else to mention: If you're googling for Moybridge's work, a lot of his landscapes are done under a pseudonym of Helios.
0: Really? Why? Not
1: quite sure why, but it was a bit odd.
0: Um, Maybe he just wanted to keep his uh, scientific um, world separate from his artistic world. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, even his actual name, like Edward uh, Moybridge, is not actually the name he was born with. He was born. Um, Edward spelt normal way Mugridge, but he decided that the proper Anglo-Saxon version of his name would be Edward E A D W E A or D Moybridge. So hmm. he certainly fits in that mold of British eccentric quite well.
0: Hmm. But anyway, well, I didn't know I didn't know much about his. Uh, I knew more about the um, the motion capture more than I knew about the uh, the landscape work.
1: Yeah. So he, I mean, it's also quite a quite a shift to go from. Yosemite Valley to galloping horses, but he was, yeah, he's a very interesting character. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to read up on Mr. Moybridge and Google around his work. As I say, links in the show
0: notes to everything I've mentioned. Yeah. Is this stuff in the public domain? I guess. Uh, I
1: found, so the links I have, an awful lot of it are in the public domain. I'm not quite sure how that works for this old stuff. You'd imagine, logically speaking, that if he died in. 1904, 75 yeah. years have surely passed by now.
0: This, Oh, you know what? This picture that you put the Valley of uh, Yosemite from Rocky Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says licensing. This is a faithful re- photographic reproduction of a two-dimensional public domain work of art. This work Good. is in the public domain in the United Good. States, even though it's uh, currently at the Getty, the John Paul Getty Museum in California. It does mean that it's still public domain. So if you wanted to download a 12 megapixel version scan and print it and hang it on your wall. You can do that.
1: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> okay, well let's so that's we've done two historic figures. So let's let's go let's jump around and go for some contemporary people who are working now that we find exciting. Do you want to do you want to go first?
0: Contemporary who are working now. Okay. Yeah. So All right, my my top choice in this Mm-hmm. is a photographer named Michael Kenna. M-I-C-H-A-E-L-K-E-N-N-A.
1: Okay, and I will pop a link in the show notes. This chap has a website because he's modern, unlike Mr. Moybridge, which means we don't have to worry about finding links to his photos because they're right here and they're bloody amazing.
0: Uh, amazing. <laughs> the guy is, he's another one I have a, a bunch of books on my shelf for. and A couple of them are collectibles, so they're very cool. Very nice. So basically, I mean, I, I hate boiling it down, but I'm gonna say basically, this guy is one of the most insanely great landscape photographers, I would say. But he does more than just landscapes. Black and white. Uh, he seems to mostly work in a square format.
1: Uh, yeah, like they're they're very obviously pictures of real things, but there's a surrealness to them in in a sort of a very not a not a picasso surreal a, a sort of a,
0: a dreamy surreal. dreamy dreamy yeah yeah again um his his portfolio he's gone all over the place australia china uh, egypt uh france oh belgium uh, he's he's done a series of pictures in the concentration camps uh, which is in, which is just you know I, I can't even describe. I don't have words to describe those pictures. They're just um, yeah. incredible. Uh, stark sure. stark, and soft black and white, uh, often with not any people in the pictures.
1: Uh, yeah, the odd time the, the, you see a shadow somewhere, but pretty yeah. much
0: Pretty much nobody. Empty. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some animals sometimes. He has some pictures in Thailand. Uh, he's been all over the place. I believe he's uh, UK-born, uh, but he lives in the United States. Uh, and he obviously doesn't stay a lot here because he's traveling all over the place.
1: Yeah, the the list of titles, like if if you look at that page, on the website in the show notes there's a page called um, Image Archive and it's grouped yeah. per country and per yeah. year by the looks
0: of things. And he's
1: been a lot of, a lot of places.
0: Yeah. His photography, I could just look at, like endlessly uh, if I had some of his prints on the wall I wouldn't have enough room in my apartment for the amount of prints I would like to buy from this guy he's also you know he's a well you know he's in a lot of gallery shows and and uh, probably a few museums and stuff like that so you know if you want to buy his work which you can uh, it's pretty expensive um, but I would suggest looking at his books the books uh, that he produces are usually very very good quality um, so it's yeah. akin to having the books, uh, the, the prints on your wall in some way.
1: But, there's, there's some very suria, uh, sort of interesting ones in the Scotland Gallery of cooling towers of power plants, which doesn't sound like it would make a great landscape photography, but they're actually they're
0: really impressive. Yeah. It, he, he, again, does the gamut landscape to, to architectural to industrial yeah. uh Style imagery, and they all have this similar quality to them. Um, but uh, inspiring, to say the least. And and he is also, also I believe he is a person who, even in this digital age, is still photographing using film. Uh, there's
1: there's a lot of long exposures here to give these dreamy effects.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't see it in his gallery. There was. Hmm. Some some shots he did in Japan, like in the middle of, like, snow. Uh, in his uh, recent works oh, yeah. section,
1: there's a bunch of snowy shots.
0: Yeah, there's this one that he did. He, uh, again, he's doing long-term projects, too. So this one in Kusharo Lake, Japan. And the dates are 2002 to 2014. So it's obviously a place he keeps going back to. Are these incredibly...
1: Ireland? Sorry.
0: Yeah, no... <laughs> incredibly uh, in, uh, stark images of trees and sometimes he's going back and taking the, the photograph of the same tree on different days yeah. um, this sort of bent fallen over tree and sometimes it's in, in banks of snow and stuff like that so he's another he's a person who's looking at sort of the long term projects
1: yeah this is some spectacularly cool stuff here
0: yeah I'm just, uh, I'm just amazed by this guy's work and he's someone I would love to meet. And hopefully, I'll get some. I
1: oh, you have a podcast?
0: Drop me an email. People we'll come <laughs> on and talk. He was on a podcast that I was on. Um, now I'm forgetting the, the name, but uh, it was on like a live, a live podcast. And he had been on the show. I'll see if I can find the link and, and send it to you so you can post it on it. It's a really nice little interview with him. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, the power stations in England
1: yeah there's yeah. stations in England there's a few nice ones in the Scotland gallery as well there's yeah quite wow. a range of stuff here to enjoy um, yeah but colour yeah. is not his medium
0: no, but
1: texture tone texture
0: shapes yeah 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 Just, and
1: shapes shapes like the at the ireland gallery the the the, the boats are made to look like mussel shells. It's very cool
0: yeah and again that's this is someone who's i mean who's not afraid of, of letting shadows go dark and uh would go
1: further i'd say not only is he not afraid of it he uses it to it uses it perfect
0: yeah. well this is sort of my argument not an argument but in a way of like going against the hdr world I and mean, there's nothing wrong with it although i do have a problem with people who've gone to extremes but i don't think we're here to capture every single tone that's in a picture uh and this idea that we have to like you know, you got to have detail in the shadows, and you have to have detail in the highlights. And I could say, don't get obsessed by that kind of stuff because if you look at work like the two people I've pointed out to you, there's there's often a lot of um, probably more, you know, letting the shadows go heavy, and you know, still keeping some information in the highlights because we don't want to go too far with that. But
1: yeah, but you're 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 subtracting detail to add. sort of, I don't know, to focus on the shapes or something?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're doing that. And people would say, well, then that's, you know, what about with color? And I think you can make the same argument with color. I've been shooting a lot where I've been underexposing and letting the shadows go black. And they're just as dramatic and nice to let that do that in color as well, you know? So, you know, don't be afraid of the shadows and and see how these, at least these two photographers, you're going to see a lot of photographers if you do a search for this kind of work. But a lot of photographers are just using... You're know, worried about shapes and and uh, and uh, even you know textures and stuff like that. So,
1: yeah, a, a good example. If you go to the Scotland Gallery, there's uh, Ilan Donan Castle. is a very famous castle in Scotland. It's got very picturesque, but in a million and one films, but he shoots it by letting the castle on the bridge that connects it to the mainland go black, mm-hmm. and everything else isn't. And so you get this silhouette in the middle of the field. So mm-hmm. It's not a silhouette on the horizon. It's a silhouette in the middle. Um, it it. Really highlights the shape of yeah yeah very cool. See, it's a yeah. very unusual effect. I'm, I'm presuming the distant haze allowed that to happen.
0: Yeah, I would love to see how he uh, how he prints these too. Because uh, there may be some
1: trickery involved here to get this particular effect, but it's very bizarre to have a, a silhouette
0: in the middle of the field. Yeah, wasn't photography pretty much all about trick- trickery? Absolutely. <laughs> in yes, some sense. Well, especially I mean, this we, kind of photography, right? Yeah, when you drag exposures, even you know you let the water. Like in the Moybridge pictures, I mean, even though those were the way he had to photograph them, it is a sense of not being reality. You're, you're tricking the eye in some way. But I highly, highly recommend spending an afternoon looking at his website. <laughs> I could very easily get lost in here for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Inspirational, to say the least. Uh, again, to me, the uh, connection with like someone like Irving Penn is the photography looks very simple. Hmm. But it's not. Yes. There's a, there's a complexity to this that uh, I don't know is, escapes me, and I would love to be able to duplicate some of his work just because.
1: If you do something really, really well, you make it look easy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's it. Isn't? But you make it look that way. Yeah,
0: and so, so he's he's contemporary. He's still he's still out there making pictures, and uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, for my recent photographer, I decided I would go onto my Flickr stream and pick one of my favourites from my Flickr stream, so who, the people I follow on Flickr. And so, basically, it's the Flickr user with the username 2C... Dot dot. So, the link will be in the show notes, so you don't have to go hunting. Uh, Irish photographer who shares my love of railways and my love of landscapes. Um, he actually shares a lot of the things I like. Um, he has a very strange mix, actually, of colour, monochrome, and sort of... Faded color effects. Um, so for a start, I guess if you just go to his Flickr stream and browse, you're going to find a very large range of stuff. You know, a lot of it in Ireland, some of it in the UK, British Isles mostly.
0: Um, I, I post a link in the chat so I can see it. Oh, Because I'm seeing this for the first time.
1: I was going to say, yeah, I've put it, I have it in my show notes, but you can't see my show notes.
0: I can't see your show notes. I'm looking at a blank screen. There we go. There we go. Ooh. Let's see.
1: So... I'm going to particularly pick so I sort of I came across this guy because railways are my thing and I was working on a little project for myself uh, about um the history sort of places Ireland had a lot more railways than Ireland has which means that the landscape is littered with these derelict remnants of former railway infrastructure and he has an entire long running series where he captures Where's my link? Abandoned Railways. There we go. So I'll pop that into the chat for you, and I'll stick it in the show notes for everyone else. And it's just a whole series that he's taken over many years of abandoned railway infrastructure. And he's picked a style that's highly appropriate to the subject matter.
0: Wow. Wow. Really, this stuff is...
1: (laughs) This stuff is all taken. Yeah, none of this is vintage photography, right? This stuff is all taken in the last ten years or so, but it doesn't look like it. It looks like Moybridge could have taken it.
0: It does look like he's using film, if I was to say either that or he's putting them up very.
1: I wouldn't be at all surprised if there is actual film being used for some of
0: these. Low resolution. Uh, well, you know, being the geek that we I am, and looking at at uh, Flickr, usually it posts the uh, EXIF data, it, and if it doesn't, if you. Turn it off, obviously it doesn't show up, but uh yes. the way the picture looks, there's something about it that doesn't like I'm looking at this one abandoned station tyan uh Co Arma, North Ireland.
1: County so would, Arma, so let me see. I Are how many rows to... down?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta go back. Well, you
1: can stick the link in the chat and then I could just click on it. This uh time. it's
0: a it's it's like the third it's like the fifth shot down. Fifth shot down. Abandoned like station. Two, two It's a, On my it. page, it's one, Got two, three, it. four, Got five. It. It's like the fifth shot down.
1: Uh, yeah. So abandoned station in Tyrone
0: County Armand, Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And it's obviously Flickr has blown it up a lot because uh, he put a low res shot on Flickr uh, to begin with. So Flickr's new style of, you know, varying up the. Uh, yeah. So that's taken in 1998, according to Flickr. Yeah. So it looks it looks filmic, and if it's 1998, then it's, it's probably more a, likely
1: to be, isn't it? Yeah,
0: like yeah. But uh, wow,
1: yeah. I mean, that very interesting collection.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be good. sorry. Don't so are on. these? Do these structures still have they knocked them down? You know, or is there still a lot of this? most of them will still be most of them will still be as you see them.
1: Uh, it is, uh, Ireland, as I say, we have about a third of our railways left and we lost two thirds of them at least. Right. And you generally can wander around the landscape and just find these things. Sometimes they're converted into modern houses. Sometimes they're just left, you know, they lifted up the tracks. And wow, this is incredible gallery. It, it is a very impressive gallery. Um. Another thing I I like about this chap's photography is he's in the same basic region of Ireland as me. He's in the Leinster area, which means that it happens on occasion that myself and himself find ourselves taking pictures of the same thing. And I always love the fact that two different photographers with their feet, you know, inches apart can come out Mm -hmm. with very different photographs. Mm -hmm. So... um, one of my favorite places is uh, Rathcoffee Castle. That I think I picked as one of my photographs last time. So I'll stick his take on it into the Skype chat for you. And it's in the show notes for everyone else. And then I have, you know, I have my own take of the same landscape, but it's a very, very, very different style to the same, mm. you know, the same input.
0: Oh, I think I'm, I remember this picture of yours.
1: In fact, we even had very similar weather. We both had dramatic skies. He went, you know, I had deep blue skies with clouds. He went for monochrome, turned those blues pitch inky black, and I went for let's go for blue to the power of eleven.
0: You also look like you both used a very similar lens. At least yeah. the the angle of view looks uh, quite the, quite similar. It's yeah, we really both chose interesting. Two
1: two-third sky, one third land, castle yeah. silhouetted on the horizon. But I went for there are colors here like you wouldn't believe, and he went for yeah. there is drama here like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, And, you know, I, I obviously like my own photograph, but I think his photograph has an amazing drama to it.
0: And you guys were definitely in the same place.
1: I'd say we were, like, five Within feet like, apart or something yeah. like that.
0: <laughs> because I could just see the... There's a slight difference in the perspective of the tree in the background against the whatever that structure is, and his is off to the right a little, and yours is off to the left, so you must have been... Yeah, this a
1: subtle, but I think we were... You know, I know we're on the same road because you can't get any closer to the castle than uh-huh, that. so uh-huh. there's a road there and we were on the same road I'm sure we were within shouting distance of each other if we had been there at the same
0: So location. you have not met this person? Yet.
1: I have no I've never met this person um, uh-huh. but I regularly you know I, I he's one of my regular Flickr contacts and I mm-hmm. you know I follow his work he follows mine uh, there was a book released recently in Irish Railway History and both of us both of our photos were chosen but very different photos Hmm so yeah so it's it's kind of interesting to see to see your you know what I consider to be my my turf my patch from someone mm-hmm.
0: else's point of view so that's oh. another reason I love his, his work Um, there's a there's a picture of his on when I, you go to his Flickr stream mm-hmm. and it's like one two three four five six rows down it's uh, a shot of a some sort of rail car coming into a yard in a like a not a yard but like a structure and it's got two portholes It looks like eyes it's right next to a a, a shot of a yellow train,
1: ah yes car. yes that's that's the the back end of a steam train yeah it's the, the back end windows. of a steam train yeah. it
0: there's something about that picture that's really striking to me and it's and it's because of the facial like yeah structure like of the of the car itself the two things look like looking like eyes it looks like it's coming into a cave yeah that's a, that's a wonderful picture. Right, I'm going to put this guy on my list of people to follow.
1: <laughs> yeah, and well, see, one of the things that strikes me is, like you know, some people are very good at black and white and some people are very good at color. But this chap, when he uses color, he can do amazing things with it. There's one mm-hmm. there a, a little bit further down on the page of a modern rail car in the s- setting sun. With, with the rainbows? two rainbows, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that is the inverse of black and white, if ever there was an inverse of black and right. white.
0: Yeah, that shot would not work in black and white, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and it, it, like, like me, he also is... I, I'm, I, you know, I like trains, but I, I much prefer pictures of sort of railways rather than just trains. And mm-hmm. he shares that view of you can have the train be tiny and see right. it in context. It doesn't have to be all
0: about the train. Yeah. So... This, this, a, this guy goes all across the board. I mean, he does a lot of industrial stuff, too.
1: Yes. There's airplanes, there's landscapes, there's cityscapes. Um, he's managed to get himself access, actually, to some interesting skyscrapers in Dublin, so he some interesting aerial views of Dublin City as
0: well. Mm-hmm. He is... What are these? Are shots of film? I'm looking at... From 1984, it looks like he's got these scans of film, too, where he's showing all the sprocket holes and stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. It seems like I... Oh, I'd love to go and see some of these structures myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he certainly has a good knowledge of where the history is hidden in Ireland. He's, he's found all the
0: cool places. He's got this one image of the invasion of Ireland begins, of Dublin begins, and it's these UFOs flying over the city.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> also, not afraid of a bit of Photoshop.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So, as I, say, oh, I, that... I, I he's one of my absolute favorite Flickr people to follow because I never know what I'm going to see next.
0: Wow. He's got this. Uh, on the second page at the bottom, uh, Ribblehead Viaduct, Yorkshire, England. That's that, an amazing picture.
1: That is one of the most famous places in, rail, in, oh. in England in terms of railway. And his take on it is like nothing else I've ever seen.
0: That is... Okay, so that is an impressive picture. Yeah. There's so much with the, with the beams of light from the sun that's creeped through the dark clouds. And there's this yeah. sense of like dark and light and dark and light in this picture. That's amazing.
1: If you were to Google for Ribblehead Viaduct, you'd find lots and lots of pictures. Mm-hmm. But mo- almost all of them will have a train or something. He's able to take that picture with just just the viaduct, and it yeah. works superbly.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll actually stick that straight into the show notes for people. Save them having to go hunting, if I can spell Ribblehead.
0: So again, if he's using film, and, you know, if he's listening to the show, I really love your work and I don't care how you make the pictures. They're just great. But, you know, if this was a, a black and white negative, there's a lot of work you have to do on, on an image like this to get these kind of tones. It's You know, generally, it's not straight out of the camera that you get stuff like this. It's
1: right, because those, those blacks in that sky.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The,
1: the, yeah. The, the, there was processing of some sort, be it physical or digital, but there was, there was work went into giving that very, very dramatic effect.
0: Right. And it, you know, to me that never, it doesn't matter so much. It's, it's like people say, oh, you should do stuff straight from the camera and it's not good. No. It's like, No, no. You know, the idea sometimes with photography is what are the feelings that you get when you create a picture, this picture has feeling, yes. um, you know, it may, you know, in the sense that it's black and white, it's not an accurate, accurate, accurate representation of the place, obviously. So that's number one. So the black and white is giving you a feeling built in, but, um, you know, don't be afraid to work on your picture to create the feeling that you want to get. And this guy is certainly doing that one way or the other. Yeah. Um
1: It's actually, I'll dig up another example. A lot of esteem photography has a style that is, it is color, but it's not fully color. And um, let me just give you a link here. I'll pop it into the show notes. Uh blah 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 I really like there we go sorry I'm reading my own show notes out loud because that's really great for listeners so I'll it in the Skype chat for you
0: interesting how we choose photographers who we want to be in some way <laughs> maybe that's not true. be but you know like emulate and stuff like that I'm, I can see why you like his work too
1: yes and likewise with the people you picked yeah so there, there's two examples of that sort of uh, they're colour pictures but they're not oh, excuse me excuse, excuse you excuse. <laughs> bless you <laughs> sorry <laughs>
0: I didn't have enough time to hit the mute button.
1: Um, so you know, they're they're color, but they're not full color. They're
0: muted, yeah, yeah, and
1: that works so well with an old steam train that's restored and running in the modern day. Yeah, it seems appropriate.
0: It's interesting that steam engine is pulling modern cars. Yeah, because you're not allowed to
1: pull the old ones because they kill people. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, the old ones are matchwood. Like, if you see pictures of old railway disasters, the first three carriages just disintegrate into a, oh. into matchwood. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so, so yeah, you, you, They're from the 1960s mind they're, they're not as modern as they look But yeah you're not allowed to pull anything older than that On a real railway
0: anymore So that in itself is really interesting That's so funny yeah.
1: yeah the steam engines themselves are like from the 1800s And they're fine and they're perfectly safe But the carriages from back then are death traps
0: And they use the same gauge of track I guess They've been using it for ah,
1: Irish gauge Ireland is special We don't oh, use the same it? gauge as everyone else We use 5 foot 3 Everyone else is four foot eight and a half inches. Ah. And the reason it's five foot three, it's, I love this, this is so Irish. So there was a railway company building a railway line north from Dublin and a separate company building south from Belfast. And mm-hmm. eventually someone said, well, maybe we should actually link the two largest cities on the island together. And the, the guys from Belfast were building on one gauge and the guys from Dublin were building on another and neither of them wanted to the change. So the British came in and had uh, arbitration And basically went right. What's your gauge? What's your gauge? Add them up, divide by two. Both of you are now building to the average of your two gauges. (laughs) And that's why we are five foot three forevermore.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, what what happens when you, when the train.
1: Oh, well, we get trains ordered here. They're special. Um, Oh. We, ha- we are a different size. Australia copied us, I think, and there might be one or two other places. But basically, it's us, Australia, and it might be India as the third. But no, a, a lot of our rail cars, if you look at them face on, the wheels look too big because what they've done is they've taken an ordinary body, that, like they make a million of, uh-huh. and they have stuck Irish wheels underneath, and they stick out too far. They're, they're stumpy. So
0: what happens? Do the, when, do the trains cross borders? Oh, well, no, we're
1: an island. So oh, Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK... They use our gauge too. Oh, okay. So the island of Ireland uses five foot three. So it's On fine the, because you're an
0: island, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah.
1: So that's why it's managed to keep existing. It's, we have yeah.
0: uh, we have two subway systems. Well, we used to actually. We probably had more in New York City, and they use the same gauge of track, but they have different size cars, which is really interesting. So. The IRT, which was the I think the first subway system to be built in New York, uh, had very very small cars. Right. Um, with a certain gauge of, and I'm not a yeah rail person, so I don't know. But a certain. Well, I mean, gauge of the,
1: the gauge of the track and, and the 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 width of carriages actually are completely independent because you can have narrow right. gauge tracks with full width carriages. They just look a bit top heavy. Yeah.
0: I mean, New York being Manhattan being very small, the trains were are narrow uh trains. Um mm-hmm. when they dug the subway system they, they had only so much room to put uh trains there. And then there's another subway system that was in the outer boroughs, at least in there was an independent line and in the Brooklyn I can't remember what the there was a couple of different lines. They all got merged together. Yeah. But the ones in the outer boroughs, the gauge was the same track, but the cars are much, much bigger. They're wider. Yeah, um, so they
1: probably can't take each other's platforms because they can't. Well, the small ones can smash.
0: <laughs> yeah, the small ones can go on the large tracks because yeah. Uh, and every now and then you'll see a garbage train, which is one of the smaller trains, go by, but the big ones cannot go. They're not interchangeable. They cannot go. We can't have a big uh, train going into some of the uh, smaller, you know, smaller yeah. uh, IRT lines. So yeah, that's really how, interesting. I mean,
1: we built our tram system in Dublin only ten years ago or so, and we built it on two different gauges just because we're Irish. <laughs> One of them needed tighter corners, so they went for a smaller gauge because small gauges go around tighter corners. Anyway, I should do a, this podcast podcast on talk railways, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, I think we'll draw a line under it. I have plenty more photographers to talk about, and you do too, so I think we'll probably revisit this format a few times over the next, well, couple of years, whatever. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought it was real fun. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed it too. Um, do let me know. Um, so a reminder again, the show notes are at let's-talk.ie. There's two big blue buttons there to support the show. Kind of helpful if people do that from time to time. And those of you who are Patreon supporters in particular, thank you very much. That regular Patreon income makes it so much easier to do this stuff. It's just there are bills coming in. There is Patreon money coming in. All cancels out. All as well. That's, that's how I like it. Uh, Antonio, thank you very much for your time today and your preparation. Um, I don't often ask the guests to do homework, but I did this time. So thank you. I did it
0: at the last minute.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I did that for my entire education. didn't do me any harm. So did I. (laughs) Do you want to remind people where they can listen to your podcast?
0: Yeah, we finally set up a podcast page. So uh, our Switch to Manual podcast, Street Shots, um, we just put up an episode this week. So we've been a little slow because my partner Tom is... uh, traveling and moving so he's going to be out of commission for a little while but uh, we managed to do a show and you could find us at switch to com slash podcast and Excellent. that's yeah and then we're on twitter as well at switch the number two manual so switch to manual and uh you know, that's it's about the best way to find me
1: Excellent. Well, also, if you go to less talk.e, there's a page for uh, panelists where there's a list to your Flickr and Twitch Manual, and everything is listed there together for everyone who's ever been on the show, ever. So
0: you'll find all the links there. Oh, can I plug something? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we we set up a, we're setting up a, a um, portfolio review service. Oh, I our, heard you talk anyway. about that on your own show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people can, uh, you know, to to have... Someone of uh, Tom and my caliber to look at your pictures and give you some feedback on them. So we uh, set up a, a portfolio review site and get uh, there's different services, but we have one that's free. So if you want to try us out, you can give us a try for a single shot. But uh, take a look; it's on our website. Exit. Portfolio reviews.
1: Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of value in having you know someone you trust give you honest feedback. So
0: yeah having a definitely having i mean i used the, the service of a friend of mine who's a photo editor so it's nice to have that kind of look and people who can start seeing patterns in your pictures and stuff like that so
1: uh, it's very easy to tell yourself you're brilliant it's, it's, it's much more yeah. realistic to ask <laughs> other people what you actually are
0: <laughs> yeah well we're, we're out to do critiques and and give uh good feedback and not you know yeah honest very people in the ground and stuff like that but uh you know People who want to take up our services, they, it's because they want to know what's working and what's not working in their photography. So, okay, give us a look. Excellent. Okay.
1: Excellent. Well, I've been your host Bart Bouchot. so You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy snapping.
0: Hey Siri, I'm looking for a new podcast. How about Three Geeky Ladies? Well, I want to hear about technology. As I said, Three Geeky Ladies. I want to learn about different types of apps and websites that will help me in my day-to-day life. Um, Three Geeky Ladies fits the bill. A podcast that talks about new releases in Apple, like iCloud, Photos... New iPhones and iPads. Oh, and El Capitan is coming out soon, right? As I've been saying, Three Geeky Ladies is what you want. Say, what about the Three Geeky Ladies podcast? That looks like exactly what I want. Thanks, Siri. Wow, Three Geeky Ladies, a technology podcast from a female perspective. Find it on the Stoplight Network.